you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 827. We have some Nerdist community corkboard things. These are Nerdist happenings from the Nerdist community, like you, Nerdist community member. You can uh, send us events at Nerdist.com, your thing, whatever it is. Uh, please don't be a big company. Just be a person with a, with a thing or an organization or something or, or just someone who wants to say hi. Like, for instance... Uh, we got this email. My name's Clinton. I'm a soldier with the U.S. Army. Uh, I've been a fan of the podcast since the Talking Cat episode, which is going back. Thank you, Clinton. Uh, and I just want to thank Chris, Jonah, and Matt for helping me laugh through some of the darkest times during my two deployments to Afghanistan. Clinton, thank you so much for your service to this country. Thank you for listening to the Nerdist Podcast. Uh, we throw support back in your direction, and uh, the sister wives and I send you hugs. They have uh, allowed me to speak for them in such matters. So, hey, I'm Jonah. I'm Matt. Oh, hugs! Oh, boy, that was really bad. Don't tell them I did that. Don't worry, they don't listen. <laughs> They're not going to know if you don't tell them. Also, comedian Nick Turner has his Comedy Central Half Hour uh, and the debut album coming out September 30th. The special will premiere Friday the 30th at 12.30 a.m. And the album will come out the same day, but it's available for pre-order now on iTunes. Uh, so check him out! This episode is Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, which I think this is a three-peat? Or do you appear somewhere else? Maybe a fourth... I don't know. He's been on a lot. But uh, I love Neil a lot. Uh, I am so excited and honored that I get to be friends with Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, and Star Talk, which is the TV version of his podcast, is back on Nat Geo, on National Geographic Channel, uh, Mondays at 11, 10 Central. Uh, Mayim Bialik going to be on the next episode. I think I am on the next episode. And I believe Summer Ash, who was on a few episodes ago, this was the episode that we met on where I said, hey, you got to come on the podcast. And then she came on. So Star Talk, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the TV show, Nat Geo. Also, I guess just promoting science in general. Uh, but I love when Neil comes on. It's, you know, and because they're, they're ones where I really, ha- really, really extra have to focus uh, because uh, he knows a lot more than I do, and I don't want to sound like an idiot when he comes on. So I try my best, 
to keep up with them. But uh, the man has a very large brain. I'm jealous of his very large brain. Uh, but he uses it for good, thankfully. So, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Here's Nerds Podcast number 827 with the return of Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now entering Nerdist.com. I, I, will, I will wear a Star Talk tie on the show. Uh, congratulations on Star Talk, the TV show, which I did. Yes, and it was really fun. Well, plus you were you were like in the first year of the show. Yeah, when we, when we traded interviews, that was like early days when we were still under an NSF grant. Yes, so, yes, you were doing that, and then we 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 did the we produced the with you guys the YouTube version of Star Talk. But right. now you're all fancy, right? Now, well, yeah, yeah, right. I forgot there's a whole middle section. Now there. you're fancy. Yeah. And you're actually on Nat Geo, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. and it was I loved the show because it's in the planetarium. We shot it in the. Did you shoot all the episodes in the planetarium? All the episodes in the Hall of the Universe. And it was nice. Yeah. People just came to hear about science and yeah. talk. And it was fun. And then I had. I became pals with... Are we on now? Are we? Yeah, this is happening. This is happening. Well, I became pals with Summer Ash, mm-hmm. and then I had her on the podcast. Isn't that a cool name, Summer I, Ash? It's the best. Yeah, it's the best yeah. name ever. Uh, the best mm-hmm. name for, for someone with... Uh, and, and we talked about her... Uh, we talked about science, and we talked about her uh, incredible heartbeat and all mm-hmm. these amazing mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. how... Now that, you're, now that you've completed the... Se- you've taped all the episodes, I assume. Uh, no, we have a few more for the season. Right, right. But we've... Uh, Several are in the can, and they, we keep going. Well, we know we know all, who all the main interviews sure, are. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a fun it's a fun group and eclectic, and you know some high high level celebs you've all heard of, and others who are celebrity by title, right? If not by name, yeah. Like I don't know how much of a household name Ash Carter is, but he is the Secretary of Defense of the United <laughs> States of America. We got him on there of this country. <laughs> yes, oh, that's crazy. This country, and then you learn that he's trying to introduce cyber as a fundamental part of the future of our security. So it's just fun speaking to people in, and getting out of that conversation all the ways that technology and science is mattering in their lives, even if they're just simple, quote, quote just simple um, celebrities who sure. are known for acting or for singing or even politicians. There's always a, a geek underbelly that we can find. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, is is there any – I mean how – Soon before the robots become self-aware. I mean, they're gonna become self-aware at some point, and then we're useless to uh, them. Yeah, we are. We would be. They would be done with us. <laughs> we are a contamination. We're a contamination. No, no, I got we're, we're, we're virus. We are. But yeah, yeah. So that's your matrix. You got to uh, say the matrix, right? Yeah. You are. You're a virus, Mr. Anderson. You're a virus. You're a virus. <laughs> And we are the cure. You're a disease. And, and we, we are the, the cure. cure. And then they play their, and then he plays his Cure cover band. That would have been amazing. That would have been a great joke in The Matrix. Not that funny of a movie, though. Uh, how are you? How many episodes of Star Talk did you guys do for Net Geo? So we'd still do 50 a year for, for audio. Right. And, but, but then, so with the relationship with Nat Geo, they cherry pick us, basically. Mm-hmm. We will take those 20 okay. out of your 50, and those get elevated to television. Still a lot get, of episodes. Oh, still a lot. Oh, still a lot. But they have the full production value of a TV set. 
done in our hall of the universe, the Coleman Hall of the Universe, mm-hmm. uh, one of our great donors to the museum. And so they, they get 20. And so some of them are the highbrow celebs. Others are just some other folks that have sort of deep significance in, on the landscape. But uh, we're loving it. And it's um, the fact that it's, you know, radio, podcast, <coughs> excuse me, radio, podcast, book. Yep. Um, stage and screen, you know. So it's we're we are pleased, delighted that this material has this level of access into pop culture. And what is uh, well, you're largely responsible for that. I mean, you and Bill Nye and pe- people who can communicate science well. So here's what I, I thought this through, and I realized it's not because I'm communicating science well. There are plenty of people who do that. So what's different? The difference is. I have retained enough running awareness of pop culture that it is the pop culture scaffold mm-hmm. on which I clad the science that we unve- uh, un- unravel. That's just the way people and, communicate and, 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 now. Well, culture exactly, yeah. exactly. And you and the, you don't have to dumb 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 it down the science because they already came in with it with. You don't have to teach them the pop culture. Right. That's the definition of pop culture. They already right. know who Beyonce is. They know what football is. They know, you know, who the Kardashians are. So if they come in with that and we analyze that scaffold and say, here's science that can fit this section and that section and the other section, you walk away, I'd like to think, not with so much an enhanced appreciation of science, but an enhanced appreciation of the pop culture stuff you already cared about mm-hmm. and you realize that science infuses Everywhere, and then you'll recognize that science is not just some subject you can step around or walk under or or, or ignore. It is a fundamental part of what it is to be alive in modern civilization. Well, it's literally just the pursuit of knowledge. It's just the pursuit of knowledge. Yes, but if the knowledge connects to other things you care about more, yes, it's better than knowledge. Right, it's, it's enlightenment. And you're 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 allowing people an emotional Ooh, I like that. window. It's better than knowledge. It's better it's than enlight- knowledge. Enlightenment. Well, yeah, because knowledge itself is, just doesn't really have any value until right. it's applied. Exactly. Exactly. What can you do with it? And how how can how can you uh, in, imbue it with meaning? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. what did you what, in those twenty topics? What what is it in this past year that has excited you, or what have you what have you learned, or what you know? How has your perspective changed? Yeah, I love learning. I, right. So, some of them have cosmic uh, relevance. So, one. Oh, by the way, if we ever have a scientist as the main guest, mm-hmm. it's not generally because of their science. It's because there's something else they do that has very high pop culture value. Oh, right. And it turns out one person, they are one and the same in that regard, and it's Jill Tarter, who mm-hmm. you may know who she is. She <laughs> she was the co-founder of the SETI Institute. Oh, yes. And her oh. whole life has been devoted to looking for aliens. I had that screensaver in like 2003. Oh, well, there we You're talking like about your SETI uh, screensaver SETI at running home. in the background. You SETI know? at home, helping, helping us try to decode signals from, I don't think I helped. from deep space. I don't think I well, helped. It was, the, it, it, was a, it was a test of, of uh, parallel programming. I mean, where all computers are doing the same task mm-hmm. on a different piece of the data at once with a po- computing power that had no precedent. So it was a brilliant idea. It was uh, beautifully executed, and everyone wanted to participate. Millions of people wanted to to help us find little green men. So <laughs> so that was... Uh, so, that was so, so, yeah, so that's a case where we're talking about aliens, aliens in Hollywood, uh, the movie Contact. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun conversation, and we get to put in the science in all the places that it fit. Yeah. Do you think... Where does, where does science run the risk of a scientist or an educator 
when you say you love learning, I'm sure you come up against people sometimes who feel like, well, they, you know, I'm very smart. I'm a scientist. I know it all and are not open to new information, new ideas, confirmation bias. By the way, you know how that happens. Uh, it, it, you, have to, you have to learn how to, how to be closed-minded. I have learned. I have figured out. Because when you're in school, in, in, in college, high school, especially college, um, you go to class to learn. Right. That's the whole point of your life. <laughs> you don't say, I'm going to sit ossified in my seat and deny everything the professor tells me. No. You are there to learn. Something happens between graduating college and adulthood where maybe we think education is, I now know all I need. And henceforth, I, know, I don't need to learn. Right. And that's where the ossification occurs. Well, I think it just takes energy. It takes energy. energy you're right. And right. it takes energy. And so, you know, if there's a law of emotional conservation of energy, you know, it, I think sometimes people just kind of, they get set in their lives and they, they kind of assume, this is how much energy I have. I, to. Gotta give, I, I have to concede that because after college, maybe you get married, you yes, have kids, you're you pay, you paying the rent, right. the, the mortgage, and life kicks in. Right. And you don't have time to say, let me think I don't know anything. <laughs> to have your mind challenge. <laughs> to be another challenge. Like, I can't even get my kids to do his homework. I can't fucking worry about whether or not this, this concept of space and time is flowing together. Right, right. So, uh, so I'll, I'll uh, let me lighten up on the folks who, who came out <laughs> closed-minded. Uh, but I, I missed a point with, that you had said the in these in the Star Talk episodes. My favorite ones are in topics that I have no expertise in because then I learn. Mm-hmm. That, that's my point. Oh, that's great. And uh, so. Uh, so that so when that happens, and we usually bring in an expert if I don't have that expertise to supplement the main interview, which is the celebrity. And I don't I don't know if you know fully the reason why we interview celebrities is not because that matters really, except that they have followings. Sure, and and their following doesn't always know about they don't always know about what might be the science underbelly interests of. Their celebrity. Maya Bialik is a perfect example. A perfect example. People go, oh, I love Big Bang Theory. Oh my gosh, she's actually exactly a PhD a in neuroscience. Neuro- neur- neuroscientist. She's not neuronic. She's a neuroscientist. neuroscientist. <laughs> maybe I could pursue that, or maybe exactly. I should look into that and because she, I love her. She's one of our guests this year, and a great uh, interview with her. Was it this year or last year? I it was this get... year because that was the episode I was on. Oh, and okay, you threw fine. The, you had you had already done the piece with her, and it ran. Yes, yes, we watched it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, but that's an example of a celebrity who's uh, she's attached to the number one show on television. Yeah. Even if you didn't know her name straight out, the fact that she exists as a character in the number one show was value to us all. Yeah. So, so I love learning about that just as a host. Um, But I also get to keep a foot in pop culture so that I have a sense, however successful or not, of what you're going to care about when I ask those questions. Mm-hmm. And that way we're all just kind of in it together learning and seeing how science matters to everyday life. And, and I, I only realized after the fact that, that, what I was, that that's what I was doing. Because people say, oh, you explain the cosmos so... No, no, it's not it. It's that you care about this other thing and I'm giving you added ammo to care about it even more. You're transferring your emotional attachment to that thing and that just sort of that. And that also makes people willing... It opens the doors. It makes them opens willing. The and they, they're willing to come back for more. During the Super Bowl, there was a kick, a field goal attempt, that hit the right upright and missed. 
<laughs> and I said, wait a minute, where's the stadium? And what's the angle of your orientation? So I quickly did a, a fast back-of-the-envelope calculation. And then I, then I tweeted a completely ridiculous but true statement. And I said, if <laughs> – and I forgot which team was kicking the, kicking the thing. So the, the, the tweet was, uh, if Earth rotated ten times faster – but in the opposite direction, then they would have, then they would have made that field goal because the Coriolis force of the Earth would have guided it through the uprights. But anything less than that, that guy missed that kick. Anything yeah, less than anything that, less than he, that, it was that a goner, no. That's no what he's going to tell us from you guys. The Coriolis effect was against me. I would have. It wasn't my I fault. I could have been somebody. I could have done it. I could have done it. But I'm interested. I'm. I, I become more and more fascinated now with with. Humans and their idea of humans like you're not a human. Yes. Can you speak like you're one of us, please? <laughs> <laughs> These humans, you're like Spock. When I These say humans, and when they're... I say humans, and I put myself, I mean, yes, I, I mean, this is something that I do as well. I mean, it's about humanity. But I've been really, really, really interested lately in a couple of ideas. Did you did you read the Dunning uh, Kruger study? What's that? The Dunning Kruger study I mean, was. I don't recognize that. The they name. took a sampling of people, and what they discovered is people who know less will believe and claim they know more, and yes. people who yes. know more will actually go, eh, I don't really know anything. Right, and, exactly. And so, and it's, you know... And they dig their heels in. in they dig their heels in, yeah. or, or, for, or for people who, even, with, even in the face of proof of something, will still go, no, that's an right. exception. This, I know this thing I believe is... Re-, like, that we as humans need to I, believe something, and once we believe that thing, that's it. Okay, so my, my, my take on that is... These are not humans who are doing it. These are yes, they are humans, but they are <laughs> sorry. These are human adults. Yes, you don't have kids behaving this way mm-hmm. unless there's an adult forcing it upon them. Right. So what that tells me is there is a failure in our educational system that does not train people how to think about data, mm-hmm. how to process information. We just hand you information. Here's the book. Learn it. You're testing on it tomorrow. And we're left with the impression that knowledge and information is a regurgitatable thing that doesn't require any kind of creative thought mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. But it couldn't be farthest from the truth. If you were taught that science, how science, what science is and how and why it works, rather than here's the facts, give it back to me at the exam – I don't. I think you would cre- you would inoculate students from becoming from behaving that way as adults, sure. and, that, and then that study would have found nothing. Right. Had we trained people the right way in the first place, and so that's why I, I'm tired of hitting adults over the head. I just go go back to the educational pipeline, and to, and I wrote something on this. You can Google it on the internet. It's just called "What Science Is and How and Why It Works." <laughs> it's, it's not that long, but it tells you. What it means to know something and to establish an objective truth, and and to connect, to have an emotional connection to it too. I think that's really the this idea. That's what, what makes it hard. What you're saying is, yeah. How do you find an emotional connection to something because the facts are so dry and they're so they can be. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, you can tell someone a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Why do they need to know that? Why do they, you know, it's like especially if they're texting in their other hand or they're not or they're thinking about what they're going to do later. It's almost. I almost kind of feel like. Uh, uh, edu- that type of education should have to happen again when you're an adult because oh, you would a fresher a, a, a booster shot of, of education. Yeah, because when you're a kid, your your hormones are raging. You're thinking about too many other things. You're thinking about where do I fit in, and you're trying to establish your 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 identity, your ego. You don't know, mm-hmm. and so it's just hard to have room for 
how do I – why do I need to learn this stuff when there's so many other things well, out especially there? Especially post-middle school. Right. Right, right, right. right. So, I mean, I think I have so much greater of an appreciation now – and I was actually a pretty good student. Um, but, uh, but I have uh, so much greater of an appreciation now – like even now I think, oh, I want to learn more languages or I want to learn – I just want to learn more basics of physics or – You know, so it, in that vein, another thing that the educational system fails to do is instead of teaching you what to know – yes, we should teach you what to know. That, yes. But in addition to teaching you what to know, they should instill a permanent sense of curiosity within us all because you'll spend many, many more years not in school than you spent in school. And if you stop learning the day you graduate – that's a problem for all of society. <laughs> so if you stay curious through adulthood, yeah. maintaining that kind of childhood wonder, yep. then what, imagine the world that would be. Well, it would be amazing, but, I, but I, I'm, I know it is no small feat for teachers, especially you know, in, in education systems where you know, funding is, is not what it should be. And so how does one person communicate to hundreds of people who have hundreds of different points of view and interest and perspectives who you know, a lot of them don't want to be there like I don't I have all the respect in the world for someone who every day can get up in front of people that they know most of which don't want to be there right. and try to impart information to them so on top of that how do you instill that you curiosity teachers. You mean teachers. teachers yes how do you how do you then find an emotional way into hundreds of people when most of them are just stonewalling you so let's get back to that emotional point because like in the study that you described people their attachment to an idea the only way you can describe that is it being emotional because mm-hmm. if it was rational or dispassionate, they would discard one idea and adopt another in the face of evidence, but they right. don't. So maybe there's not enough emotion or, or uh, the emotion that does appear in the educational pipeline is not properly tuned to the content. So they allow you to bring all your own emotions and then you cherry pick what you want to be true. And then you go off in life with a warped sense of what is and is not going on in the <laughs> But universe. is that what our brains are capable of? Because I wonder sometimes if, if technology has evolved faster than our brains can actually handle it. No, no one under 30 would ever say that. So that's an old fart <laughs> comment. You realize this. I do, but, okay? but, but when I... Us, you know, this, this internet is happening so fast. But I'll tell what you why. I'll tell you why. Because, because there's so much information that people are asked to process all day, every day. And they just don't really take the time to research anything. I ask my kids, and they are not phased by this at all. I have a 15-year-old and now a 20-year-old. This is a non-issue, just a non-issue. Just hang up your old fogey concerns <laughs> and just get with the program. I'm, it's not, I'm not talking about for me. I'm talking about how people – because I think it would be really interesting to really like what people talk about and what people staunchly believe – I go, well, I saw this article. And I go, well, did you really read it? No, 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 but I saw the headline. The headline, and I, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, mm. how, if you really peel back the layers, do people really believe what they think they believe? How much research have they done? Can they actually do research because... No, they can't. But so, so, so the, the, you know, there's the famous quote, there's nothing so painful, I'm paraphrasing it, there's nothing so painful to the human mind than the... The, the prospect of a new idea. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so, so we have to, we, we need to train ourselves to embrace new ideas and new thoughts. And I can tell you this, I think the religion business has perfectly attached emotions to ideas. Sure. Which is why you can have people blowing themselves up right. in the name of an idea. Right. And you can't blow yourself up in the absence of emotion. There's got to be some deeply felt 
feelings right. in that act. So, so I think the rest of these branches of civilization do not have the emotion business linked with its content in the way the religion business does. It's kind of interesting sometimes to think that, and I think in some cases, certainly not all, but in some cases, science can become a religion and religion can become very scientific, like a, a science in the sense of knowing how, you know, uh, re- religion being able to sort of predict how people are going to react in a certain way and well, how then to, it's psychology yeah, yeah in yeah, psychology it's, it's, and then with science mm-hmm. i feel like sometimes and it's kind of what i was poking out earlier well, I, wait wait by the way it's it, in all fairness to that comparison um there are many people who do receive deep and lasting advice social personal advice from their preacher from their, rabbi, their rabbi these tend to be wise people relative to the average person in the public so so though we don't call them psychologists, they can serve that same role sure. in, a, in a community. And Absolutely. Do. Yeah. And 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 should. And that's that's mm-hmm. really that's As it has been. Right. what has been. But uh but I, I'm also, you know, it's sort of what I was poking at earlier was, you know, do you come up in science at all against people that just that do the same thing that like really smart people that you go, well, you should be smarter than what you're doing right now, but you're not open to any new ideas or you think you know everything because you, you know, have a wall full of degrees. Like, how do you how do you break through to those people and how do you challenge yourself say, to would, not fall into that? I would say they're not smart. <laughs> you, you have a you have a flawed definition of smart. <laughs> OK, if, if smart equals how many degrees you have on the wall. OK, right. And for me, I, I've been. You know, I'm just jumping on you about that because I've please. been trying to redefine smart. Please, because the, the smart person is always the one in the class that got the high grades. We are, we are, dare I say, brainwashed into equating the high grades with the smart person. Mm-hmm. Now, go have a conversation with the founder of Twitter, of Facebook, of of Microsoft, of all of these great things that have shaped our lives, and ask them, did they get the highest grades in class? <laughs> no. The answer is no, <laughs> no, no. Did, would anyone call them smart by these metrics? No. No. So what's going on here? It, is the valedictorian always the person that makes the difference in the world, or is that just the person who studied the hardest? Should we use the word smart to apply to such people? Or should we be saying, you're a good regurgitator? <laughs> <laughs> you're the best regurgitator there ever was. I mean, how, do you, how, do you, how do you test uh, comprehension? How do, you... how do you test the curiosity that should remain after you've learned something. How do you test your ability to come up with a new idea in the face of previous ideas? Right. And that is not the, regurg- the regurgitory. That's not regurgitory. Right. Well, that's like a place you go to after you die. That's right. You that's the re- place you go to regurgitory. <laughs> <laughs> Where the universe just spits you out into another form because energy can't be destroyed. Right. So, so maybe there's a – we need to rethink – what it means to be smart. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to link smart to creativity. And then that brings in artists. You hardly ever hear the word smart applied to artists. They say, well, they're creative, they're innovative. You can't smell smart without art. (laughs) And that's not fair. (laughs) So I think smart needs to be broadened in in that regard. And so, so once you've done that, then you are filtering for those people, and the current educational system doesn't do this, if you broaden what smart is, then you're filtering in the educational system educational system for people who will actually transform tomorrow's civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with those art, are the smart people. Well, with art, with art, there's definitely an like an emotional acuity that they that a really good artist will have. Like they have emotional acuity. An emotional acuity. That's yeah. Beautiful. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they um they they are able to 
see something and 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 re-express it into an idea. Express it with enough to bring you along, but enough new stuff for you to say, "Hey, I've never th- even thought about it." So that, that actually defines exactly what it was that you said in the beginning: is you're you are helping to uh, illuminate the art in science, which I think is pretty a pretty interesting idea. Okay, I, I, I I'll, I'll take that. I, when, to me, the art is a capital A. It's any creative ways that people express their their energies and the extent to which science informs that we're all over it yeah at all times what is your number what is your big thing do you have a different thing every year that you feel like well this is the thing that i'm kind of obsessed with this year of trying to figure out or this is the thing yeah no i don't uh, i i don't use the time it takes earth to go around the sun to divide up periods of time that interest <laughs> this year i'm going to no maybe it's six months yeah maybe it's two years but no there there are projects that that excite me and keep me interested it's usually through the books that i'm writing because mm-hmm. books take a lot of effort and a lot of research yes. and um and so uh i so there's the the, the star talk book that like just came out yesterday. At the I have time, it right here. The time of this, this reco- amazing the Star recording. Talk tie that has planets on it. So, so they're trying to buy your allegiance by giving you a free Star Talk tie. Yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm that easily. So now you only say nice things about. I would only say nice things anyway, but, but now I have a tie, so now I can now I can say nice things while wearing my Star Talk. So I'll be tie. watching you on at midnight to see if you wear I'm the fu- tie. I'm totally gonna wear the Star no, Talk. No, I don't tie know. I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna be looking. I'm, I swear to you, I will wear the Star Talk tie on at midnight. Now that you're at 11:30 or whatever. Now that we're at 11:30, yeah, yeah, we're at 11:30. Could which may be temporary. We don't honestly don't know. We don't uh, know. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, well, yeah. you weren't at midnight in the mountain zone anyway, right? No, no, we were at eleven o'clock. And, and I think they're just so accustomed to no one giving a rat's ass what time it is in the mountains <laughs> <laughs> that they have to do their own math. They must be really good at time zone calculations because I suck at it. <laughs> Wait, is LA ahead of us or behind us? Or What's at- happening? Are we what? recognizing daylight? We're not recognizing. Right. And is it? Is it? And and is the TV? Is that the time? It's in my time zone. I think the mountain time zone are the best. Time zone correctors there ever were. It really makes you think. It makes like the time the mountain time zone really, and you always have to go. Except for mountain, <laughs> we get it. Mountain time zone, we understand. But uh, yeah. I don't think they fess up to why they don't get care. But, you know, there are more people that live within twenty miles of my apartment in Manhattan than populate the entire mountain time zone. Yeah. So they, I think the the, the programmers. You know, they just don't care. They just don't think about it as yeah, much. Yeah. But they're important. We're sticking up for you, Mountain Time Zone. <laughs> this is your time is near. They're, there's gonna be an uprising and it's gonna it's gonna just like the mountains, like with the plates coming together, they're gonna Well the fun rise part is up. if you get a New Yorker in the mountain time zone, the the first reaction is typically uh, I'd have a great view if the mountains weren't in the way. <laughs> They're blocking how far I can see. <laughs> oh, you normally look at our buildings. Now you exactly. Can see a mountain. What a great... right. Surely there's a building on the other side that I can watch. They're really, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I love, I love looking at mountains for like. 20 minutes. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to go do something else. Well, but so I- here my concern is, as a city person who likes cityscapes, that mountains are great in the daytime, but in a moonless night, the mountains disappear entirely. They do. Right. And so they don't contribute to your visual anything. <laughs> After twilight, that's why we need to put like really you need cool lights on the mountain <laughs> circuitry. No, you have to. <laughs> you, you carpet the side of the mountain with houses. Yes, and, and have them all turn on their street lights. Or then you'd have a cool. How about side. this bioluminescent grass? 
right? That just like coats the mountain so at night they just glow. They just have a little or a key light, you know, on yeah, the side. Yeah, just something. Something I know. Which is what the moon do, does actually. The, the full moon at night does give you, an, especially snow capped mountains. It's pretty good at that. A beautiful. It's pretty good silhouette. at uh, reflecting the sun down back on it. Well, we were just in Japan where it was gore- gorgeous. My, my daughter was in Japan for three months. Oh, really? Summer. Yeah, and I'm she's so loving, jealous. That's loving a... Japanese language and cultures. It is a. Gr- yeah. I love the language. Yeah, I love the language because it makes so much. I mean, there's a lot to learn. Did you know? I didn't learn. I, I freaked out. My my daughter told me. Did you know that they have a a different counting system for flat things as they do for cylinders what <laughs> this is that's that's like the first time your teacher's like now let's talk about non-euclidean geometry like there's that's a thing that's a thing that they, so there's a different words different phrasings when they count like sheets of paper than if they counted cans on a shelf than if they counted people oh man yeah so it's well they keep, it just that's got hard nicely precise right it that's is really very cool. nicely precise it does yeah. it does make sense it is very logical and it makes a lot of sense yeah. and i i really do love the language mm-hmm. but of course you know, when you get start getting cocky, and then you're like, "Kuriwa uh, nandeska," and then they'll they start talk. You've asked them, "What is this thing?" Naturally, they're going to answer you in Japanese. Why did I do that? No, you have to say it with more of a gringo accent, so right. that they're more forgiving. Kuriwa nandeska, Mister Japanese man. <laughs> I didn't mean Texan accent. Oh, okay, sorry. That's just where my brain goes. I apologize. Hey, what is it? Was that a better one? Oh, hey, come on. Have you spent time in Japan? I've, uh, I was on a, a government uh, trip there. That's all I can tell. No, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. No, That's I was it. on a commission. I was on a White House commission to study the world um, uh, climate, not weather climate, just the, the, the world business climate for the future of aerospace, the aerospace industry. How does that happen? Does, does your phone ring and you're like, hello, and it's like, Neil, it's, it's, kinda it's exactly Barry that. Obama. Yeah. Do you want to go do it, a thing? It is kind of a little bit like that. I recently got a phone call from the Secretary of Defense for me to join a new uh, board that they're setting up, the Defense Innovation Board. So I'm a, new, I'm a member of that. So I'm, and I, it's like the guy who's carries the football around to the president you know <laughs> so um yeah so it's just it's a phone call it's all it's what it is and they don't they don't direct message me on twitter or anything <laughs> <laughs> you up <laughs> yeah you up? Yeah, I, I gotta see you tomorrow wanna, in washington hey want to be on this defense <laughs> council <laughs> the pentagon yeah get, meet you an e-ring it's <laughs> like a government booty call is like can you, <laughs> hey you up want to go to japan <laughs> All right, tell us about booty call. <laughs> tell us about defense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you got to do it because it's a it's a call a literal call of duty, um, and you know we're all in this country together. And to the extent that I can offer insights or advice or perspective, uh, I'm honored and privileged to to serve that. So, how yeah. do you think Doctor Sagan would feel about? Would he be happy with what's going on now, or would he be like, "We've taken a giant step back, or we've made some advancements"? I don't know. He was very had very strong um, socially progressive views at a time when we were still in the Cold War, and there's the worried about mutual. Uh, what is it? The uh, uh, where everybody fires all the weapons, and right. you'd get uh, what did he call it? Um, what happens in war games? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. It's the uh, gosh, how could I not? Re- um, Nuclear winter, which was the whole fear in the 1980s, because if, if, if at the time there was total nuclear exchange, you would burn up all the forest, put soot in the air, block the sunlight, right. plunging all of Earth 
into an incessant winter, knocking out the base of the food chain and then killing all all life on Earth that eats plant life that would have needed the sunlight. By the way, while that's unthinkable today because we're not at war in that kind of war with the Soviet Union, that the same computer calculations that arrived at those conclusions are what were used to learn about asteroid strikes. Oh, boy. And what role an asteroid would, might play in the extinction of our species. It's not just a crater and you died where it happened to hit. Right. You can actually affect the climate of the entire Earth. And around the same time was when we came to understand that the 65 million years ago, they went extinct by way of an asteroid. And it, that would cause cataclysmic seismic activity or, and also and, dust, in but the... dust in the air. And it would kill you and the antipodal side of the Earth, even if you were never, nowhere near the explosion. And so then people started looking for a crater from 65 million years ago, and we found it. And it's off the tip of the Yucatan Peninsula. And it's a you know hundred some odd mile diameter crater, and you date it right from when the dinosaurs went extinct. I mean, it is. It, I, 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 you know, we throw the figures around, and you go, oh, you know, like um, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of years these creep. But you, hundreds of millions of years is a ridiculous. It's huge amount it's of huge. time in our <laughs> okay. history. H- you ready for this? All right, so watch. And not our history, in the history of the planet. Right, right, right. So watch. You ready? So. The dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago, mm-hmm. and there were a whole set of books trying to understand their extinct. Well, they had little walnut-sized brains. They weren't smart enough to survive anything. Excuse me. They were around for hundreds of millions of years <laughs> before they went extinct. Right. So here's the, here's the number. You ready? They were around for longer than the time that has elapsed since they went extinct. Oh, my gosh. So if the... By a lot. <laughs> by a lot. So if the asteroid never hit, there is no reason to think that they would be extinct today. Right. At all. And we, our mammal ancestors would still be running underfoot trying to not be hors d'oeuvres for T-Rex. And they would have evolved into maybe they, a Super Mario style. Maybe. <laughs> walking and talking no, their video person. Their video games would have had humans in they it. They would have had humans in them. <laughs> a, a lizard plumber would be stomping on an Italian guy. And, and their movies would have humans attacking Tokyo, <laughs> right? right? It would be whatever. <laughs> what just a naked ape coming out of the sea, and then all these little lizard people are going to have to... Yeah. You know, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah, so just let's be sort of clear about the t- contingencies of the tree of life. Yeah. And and I don't, we don't know if the dinosaurs would have evolved a big brain. They didn't in the 200 million years they were on Earth. They didn't need to. Right. Big teeth make a great substitute for intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's how the internet operates. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we're there next to the T-Rex. Say, let's see how I can outsmart the T-Rex. And a half a second later, he's bitten you in half, and you know? <laughs> I <laughs> guess I, hmm, okay, I see you're upset. Maybe you want to talk this through, and I'm dead. Yeah, a lot of good your brains did. But it really right. does, it does, it does, it freaks me out sometimes when I think about it. It's like, okay, we have like 10,000 years of, nothing. of modern humans. Nothing. And it's just a, it's, yeah, it's a speck of nothing in the wind. I mean, it's, it's, it really sucks. And I, and I got to think about this recently. I don't know if you knew, I have a, a cameo in, in um, Ice Age 5. Oh, nice. Yes. What, did you even know that there were five movies? I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I always see the posters. Like, yeah, they're yeah. very, they're Well, very... then I, is it the same movie? No, it's yet another movie. And I didn't know they had almost as many as Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I have, I have a cameo, and I help them solve a problem. It's Ice Age colon Collision Course, where they discover 
from legends and other sources that there's an asteroid that's going to come render them extinct. And they have to figure out a clever way to deflect the asteroids and the asteroid. And they, and I, I help help make this happen. But they don't. Well, no, no, no. So, so no, they do deflect the asteroids. They just all go extinct for other reasons. <laughs> so, so I, I, <laughs> Bad real estate all deals. One hundred percent extinct ice age mammals. Mm-hmm. All of them. The giant sloth. Yeah. The the mastiff. The, you know the mammoth. The yeah. they're all extinct. There's this like dinosaur grade cocaine. The, they're the, all the rendered the impotent. Saber tooth tiger. They're all in the tar pits. They're all going to die. They're all in the tar pit. Go find <laughs> the whole cast and characters of Ice Age in the La Brea pits. I mean, that right? is so. That is so. I mean, it really. I, I really do understand. Um, I mean, you know, like you, I'm not. I'm not a religious person, but I don't begrudge anyone their religion. I feel like whatever you know, whatever. I really do believe, like whatever you feel like you need, as long as you're not infringing on other people, mm-hmm. great. But. Um, it, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of it sometimes because I think, I mean, legitimately as a species, most of what we do is really futile because we are, there is going to be an endpoint at some point. I mean, like, unless, unless we can race to get to another planet at some time and colonize the species that we have. But the idea, like, oh, there's, no, after this, there's more stuff. Like, that, I'm so jealous of that, of not, of oh, that idea. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. You, so you want an idea that'll keep you going in death. Well, just, just so you know, yeah, just so you know, because, you know. No, I, so, so the better idea is in- reincarnation. Yeah, you, but you just I just, I don't, a, I don't either. Like, I, I almost, as a better human. You know, I almost, I almost like the idea of like, okay, well, maybe there's some sort of like mitochondrial DNA thing. And maybe, you know, through, like on a molecular level, through carbon, yes. But you know, there's no, I don't. That's not except not because if it were, perhaps you would have some. Uh, well, this is what uh, reincarnated people would say about themselves. Although it doesn't really hold up in under under laboratory scrutiny. But uh, after death, why should you think your awareness or your consciousness would be any different? From what you were before you were born. Yeah, that's how, that's exactly it's, it's how the state I think, of yeah. non-existence. It's the state of non-existence or yeah. not? It's just yeah. an unawareness, and I think that's why that part doesn't. So what we do? So the way we solve that is instead of wondering what happens after death, we just alter our genome so that you never die. <laughs> that would be and fine. Then, then it's a non-question. Then it's a what happens after I die? No, die? What? Nothing. What are you talking about? I don't know. What do you mean? What do you we, mean? We solved that. <laughs> yeah, we got that solved long ago. Why is it always people? Well, by the way, if you're going to not die, you better start colonizing planets. Cause you have to. You're going to run out of space for the next the next generations, who I presume you're going to still make babies. Well, hopefully you don't run out of atmosphere before. <laughs> right, right. No, you need to be able to move to other planets. And per- personally, I, I don't mind uh, an expiration date on my genome. You don't mind? No, no, because it f- gives me focus in my life. It makes you kind of make all oh, this Oh, yeah. I wake count. up in the morning and say, what am I going do today because I can count the number of days I'll be alive. Boy, psychologically, what would that do to you if you had a turn? It'll I completely guess you, fuck with your priorities. You wouldn't care about anything because it wouldn't, you wouldn't matter. have to. There would never be any urgency to do anything. That's right. The, and procrastination would just be uh, I'll procrastinate tomorrow. I want to sleep now. I'm yeah. procrastinate tomorrow. <laughs> Why is it always <laughs> Are you procrastinating if you procrastinate later? It almost I almost kind of think That's we, almost no. We you, don't have the we don't have the psychology to really exist forever because we couldn't it would just Well, it, you know what it would be? It would be like you would never cross the street because you might get hit by something and that would end your life when you could have lived another billion years. Oh, I see. You, so your whole risk Im- calculation is different. We're not immortal. We just I mean, we're not in, we're not in we're not in, invulnerable. We're right. just 
we just could live theoretically live correct right so then i wonder if you're like a billion years old are you just completely scarred by all the the the, the pans that you took out of the oven (laughs) 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 if that happens once every century but you live a billion years you can have totally burnt scarred you're gonna look like freddy (laughs) krueger or it's gonna be like death becomes her where they just all deteriorate oh yeah right i remember i saw that oh it's so good robert zemeckis movie i saw that great um but that's the one where 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 they use spray paint. To, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. It's Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn and Meryl yeah. Streep. Fantastic comedy. Yeah, Bruce Willis is the Undertaker. It. Yeah, but um, but uh, yeah, that that is a really interesting idea of what it would take, what it would take for us psychologically to deal with that, and what we'd have to do to maintain ourselves. And we touch a little bit of that in the Star Talk uh, universe. Just uh, there's a whole section in the book. What it, what is it to be human, and what is the future of of, of what we are? Right, and. Once you start, once you can control the genome, if there's a planet that's not quite just like Earth, just fix your genome so that you can thrive there. Yeah. And you don't have to wait around for evolution to kill off all the variations that don't. Yeah, once you master evolution, <clears throat> once you master your own genome, it doesn't really... Yeah, and in fact, you can look at the entire offerings of the tree of life. And since we all have DNA in common, just, just, just steal it yeah right so for me what would be first on my you know there are people say uh who are complaining about uh fish genes in in tomatoes right i don't want gmos i don't want fish in my tomato well it prevents it from freezing because there's a gene that enables that i don't see what your freaking problem is right but okay it's a reminder that all life on earth has some fraction of common dna this is evidence of this, that you can even do that in the first place. So would you object if I went to a newt, took out its regeneration gene, put it in a veteran who had his legs blown off fighting our wars, and it regrows their limbs in just the way it works with a newt? Well, no, of course no. Are you going to tell me, no, that. don't do that because you're combining species? Right. No, you're going to say, this is really cool. We can do this. Yeah, absolutely. So I see things like that. If a newt can grow legs... Let's put that feature in humans. If some other creature is radiation resistant, let's find out what genes that is and put that in. We can make a human that is the superset of, in principle, the superset of all the coolest stuff that's out there in the life forms that we've come to study. But it's interesting that it's never that's never portrayed as a good idea in film. It's always portrayed as like, you know, there's some, uh, you know. Wait, wait. By the way. We've been changing ourselves from the beginning. Why, why do you go to the gym if not to just get bigger muscles right. or to trim fat so you look different right. from what you would otherwise look like? Right. Why do you color your hair? Why do you straighten your hair if it's curly or curl your hair if it's or straight? Or eat certain foods or eat, don't eat, eat certain food foods. this food and not that food. Right. You, everything we do is to reshape <laughs> our experience. Why are you getting mammary reduction surgery or increased surgery? Why are you getting the I nose job? I did it job? because I was embarrassed of my huge tits. Okay. <laughs> Think of what we are already doing to change ourselves. Are you going to say now we can do it ge- genomically? You say no, 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 we are violating God's will or whatever. What? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. So I think if you step back and look at what it's like, the people who say I don't think we should clone humans because we might harvest their organs because because <laughs> there's all right. And I'm saying, all right, uh, uh, we already have clones in society. They're called twins. Okay. <laughs> so we've, we've already done the experiment. Are but we it, harvesting the organs of twins to feed? Uh, no, we're not doing that. It's the same guy. It's the same people who are like, you know, I don't think I'm going to go to the gym because I don't want to get all ripped. And it's like, do you know 
what would ha- you would have to do in order to get to that point? <laughs> to get as ripped as you think you're not doing. Yeah, yeah you don't going. go to the gym two times where you're like, whoa, t- take it down a notch. <laughs> by the way, I always love seeing your wrestling picture oh, stop. come up. I'm serious. That is a great... I, I don't that know was, how it got out there because it was like a printed. It's like an old. It's from a film. It's like plus X film printed in a dark man. Room. And but no, that's in the day. And I had a little bigger afro then. That, it was in style, just so you know. It was it had to be in the seventies. No, it was right? in the seventies. Nineteen seventy. Yeah, yeah seventy eight. It looks. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, it looks good today though. Like it looks cool and retro. And oh, okay. I'm well, telling thank you. you. Did thank you? you? That, did, that was forty five pounds ago. Just did to you? be clear. <laughs> okay. I can measure time by pound poundage. So you were studying science and you were wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah. Were, I was. I was majoring in physics at Harvard, and then, but knowing all along that my soul was in the in the depths of the universe, and so all my 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 all my extra classes were taken in astrophysics, ready to go on to graduate school in astrophysics. But yeah, I wrestled just because it was a fun fun place to dump excess energy. Yeah, well, <laughs> and also just having a more um, having a more rounded. Uh, approach to life and not just being stuck in a cul-de-sac of like this is the only thing I know and yeah care I don't about. you know I don't want to judge people who are cul-de-sacked right uh, I don't know that I'd be a better or worse okay. scientist if I did or didn't wrestle but I do like the feeling of being in shape and strong and and uh, wrestling you get that I mean that's you that's because that's what you do you're you're kicking somebody's ass all right I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch you an idea what's that uh, f- Friday night uh, midnight wrestling matches at Hayden Planetary. Ah! Right, you just in the dome. In the dome. In the dome. Not the cage. It's the dome. In the dome. In the dome. Having scientists wrestle at the planetarium. I, I would need a cage name like like Orion's Revenge. Yes. You know, something. And then you get Hercules. You get like constellation names. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That could happen. Killer of Pluto. <laughs> there you get the shit for that for the rest of your life. But I, okay, if the attendance gets really bad, maybe we'll. I'll give you a call on that. I'm telling you. Even just once as a charity event, it might be really fun. <laughs> Even one time as a charity event. You're not, it's not, it's a good idea. I think it's a fun idea. Yeah, the audience is looking skeptical. I know. Here. You I want know. to talk about like pulling people emotionally into mm-hmm. science through something pop culture or something different and something fun? I mean, that's, it's, you know, I, I honestly. See, you know what I do? Instead of turning pop culture into the science thing, I let you keep your pop culture and then tell you the science that fits to it. That's a, it's a slightly different, different direction of the vector we do that at i I just saw that uh well i think wired actually did a thing on uh what luke cage's mass would have to be and there was like torque you know to explain how you know his skin would be hard enough to stop a bullet and how he could pick someone up standing still on the ground Mm -hmm. and all that stuff i Mm -hmm. mean Mm -hmm. it is uh, yeah yeah that's what you do and you apply Uh, so a good friend a friend of mine a colleague a physicist at the university of minnesota his name is james kakalios he wrote a book called The Physics of Superheroes. Oh, my gosh. You le- in there, you learned that – I didn't know. Flash has atmospheric separators in front of him so he doesn't burn up. <laughs> you know, little things like that. you got to, like, consider this. The friction right? would kill him, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. The air friction oh, yeah. would, 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 would just, just like, rip him like apart. That. So they got to solve that. And there are ways to think about – and I had the privilege of contributing to comic book lore by showing Superman where his home – Home star. What did you know about this? No, you didn't know about this. I didn't know about no, this. I thought you knew. You are the nerdist. Yeah, I guess I'm not anymore. Oh my gosh! What I, happened? You know, How did? Where did this you... interview's over? What? <laughs> Neil, Neil, come back, come back. <laughs> I, he didn't leave. He's just hitting his hands on the table. <laughs> I but the I think that means he's done. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Here, uh... well, here comes the door. Red, slam the door. <laughs>
All right, so I got. Neil, where did you come from? You just left. I got called um, by DC Comics. Yep. Again, it's the booty call, right? Yep. Or the DC Comics call <laughs> said we're writing a an episode for Star- for Superman for the comic, and we want him to visit the Hayden Planetarium. Will you give permission for us to draw it? Duh, of course. What am I going to say? No to that. Right. And then I said, well, what's up? They would say, we want him to go there to see the destruction of his home planet. Oh, because he's going to look at it through the... He's look, okay, so we're going to have right. some instruments that will enable this. It's going to measure the explosion. And, and, and I said, and I said, okay, but that means he got here ahead of the light beam. So I said, so I had to work this through with them because I don't think they thought it through. So I said, we all know he was launched Moses style, Mm -hmm. and he landed on Earth no older than when he left. He's a baby. Right. So if the baby's six months older, you would know it. All Right. right? Six months on a baby is clear. So basically it didn't age. So either he came to Earth at the speed of light, and when you're traveling at the speed of light, time stops for you. Mm Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, he's with the crest of light that shows the destruction of his home planet. Right. So he'd have to travel faster than the speed of light. Exactly. So I said the only way to get here ahead of it is to, and still be a baby, is to come via a wormhole. Okay. And they're aliens, so they can figure figure that out. Right. So good. So they said, okay, bet. We've got that. All right. So now he gets here in a wormhole. Then I said, how old is he? And they said, he's eternally in his late 20s. (laughs) So I said, all right, let me find a star. That is like 25, 26, 27, 28 light years away. Mm-hmm. That gives him a chance to age to that point, then see the light finally reach Earth. Oh, wow. So then I said, you know, I can find you a star. I, I've got the catalog. There's a zillion stars out there. I spent a day, found a star in the southern hemisphere, a red star. <gasps> twenty Because Krypton was red. Yes. 27 light years away. I said, here's your star. Well, the sun was red. Yes, Krypton. Wait, was sorry, Krypton, yeah, the sun. Yeah, I, yeah. I forget. Krypton is the, the planet or the, the star. But in either case, yeah, their home star is red. So I found a red star. And I actually, I gave him two red stars and said, we want this one, not the other. I said, why? <laughs> I said, because this other one is in the constellation Corvus. I told them what constellation. And I said, well, why do you care? Corvus the crow. The crow is the mascot for Smallville High. Oh. Yes! Oh, hello! Oh, <laughs> so, so we nailed this. Oh, my gosh. And so after they're excited, I'm excited. And they said, do you mind if, if you, if we portray you meeting Superman at the planetarium? And I said, look, after all Superman's done for Metropolis, the least I could do is help the guy out. Yeah. And so then we figured out a plausible way where we can image his planet because you need like interferometers as wide as Earth. So there's some language in there that, that smells like real real astrophysics. Yeah. And then the, we finally put the image on the dome. That's amazing. And then he, and then he looks sad because he, while he knew intellectually he lost his home planet, he – at, at last, and sadly, he now felt it emotionally. Yeah. Well, yeah. you found... So, so that's Action Comics 14. You it's found out there. Krypton. Now all you need to do is locate Metropolis on a map. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's across the bay from from uh, uh, Gotham City. That's all... We, we would learn. <laughs> that, that's all we have to learn, yeah. <laughs> so he just came over to New York... <laughs> <laughs> Which is where the, was the Hayden Planetarium in Metropolis or was the Hayden Planetarium in New York? Well, so see, for me, I put it in New York yeah. because the Daily Planet is, of course, the Daily News. Right. And the Daily News building has the rotating planet in its lobby. Mm-hmm. And so all of these icons from the TV show and all the rest of this, it all feels like New York to me. Yeah. And so I'm giving it to me, Superman's in New York. So what is when, uh, when you are. 
working on the television show, what does your day look like? When you are still actually a scientist, yeah, so it's and tough. You have to make a TV. It's show. tough. I'm ready to like get all this out of my system and then just go back to the lab and just <laughs> seed the whole thing to everybody else because it's. I'm a servant of public appetite, but I can tell you this: if it's only happening because of me, then that's like cult building, and I'm, I don't. I'm, I want to see a huge. Uh, uh, I want to see a whole community of people coming up who can do exactly what I'm doing. And we're trying to cultivate that with Star Talk. Yeah. We've had great expert guests who were scientists uh, who were brought on to comment on the main interviews with the celebrities. Yeah. And they were so good and had such good telepresence that, and we kept in touch with them, we created another cadre of hosts. And we call them the Star Talk All-Stars. Nice. And they now have radio shows. And they're part of the Star Talk umbrella. That's good. So I think that's great. That's right. And they're, they have guests and they talk about science and pop culture and geeky things. And so I, I feel good about where that has gone. And that way one day I'll just kind of tiptoe away and no one will know I'm missing. Well, t- no. Th- people would know you're missing. But, you know, the other reason it's good is because it just, you know, they have perspectives and they have things yeah. that they're oh, excited yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. And they want to sort of bring that to the public. And that's and to have, if you have a scientist who wants to do that, you want to totally exploit that fact i did the same i did the exact same thing at nerdist i and you know it was just me in the beginning and at a certain point i was like well but other people like different things and maybe right. mm-hmm. other people should come in and talk about what they like because right. right. i have a limited mm-hmm. i have a limited point of view so why right. not right. Right. so what is uh what what is what are you working on now you said you said a couple things that you were saying well so you there's like five percent of my life not much more, maybe 10%. I'm trying to stay current with my sort of research frontier. I've always liked the structure of the galaxy, the birth, life, and death of stars, uh, and large-scale structure of the universe. These are my professional research interests. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, I was sort of branded with, like, demoting Pluto, but my professional interests were never the planets. This is just a, a, an intelligent read of what my planetary <laughs> colleagues were discovering. That's all that was. And I, had, I was in a position to make an exhibit that was the first public exhibit to rethink Pluto's role mm-hmm. in our lives. So then I got branded as that. But no, th- my, my research interests have always been stars and galaxies. Um, but yeah, no, the, the day is full. There's, there's doing Star Talk. There's, uh, I'm writing. Um, so I have a, a book coming out later in the year and another one this spring. Uh, the one in the spring? Can I tell you about this one? Oh, can I come no. back for the one in the spring? You can come back okay. wherever you want. Okay, the one in the spring, it's, it's, uh, uh, I don't think I should mention it yet. Oh, mention no, it. No, no, no. No, I wouldn't be surprised. Don't no, be cool. No. Just give us a, give us a, you know, like wet, wet at the appetite of the people so they kind of know in what region. Uh, all right. Well, so this fall, the book that's coming out is a, uh, I taught a class at Princeton. I co-taught a class at Princeton University when I was on the faculty there, and... Uh, that class we turned into a book. And so it's for people who are ready for more. Okay. Right? None of this, oh, let's just quickly turn the pages and right. and, and give me a mile wide, an inch deep. This is a mile wide and 10 miles deep. So okay. you, you learn All about, right. for, for example, you learn about the Goldilocks zone around a, a star where right. you're looking for exoplanets. Right. But then you calculate how you get the Goldilocks zone. Oh, so it's so just, there. it goes in depth. It goes oh, a little yeah. more in so depth. So it's the same fun science, but now let's see how we know right. this is true. Right. Right. So It's uh, the comprehension and the understanding and not just the regurgitation. All of that. So that one, is com- com- it's, it's later in the fall, you'll, you'll see a media push on that. Nice. And it's called Welcome to the Universe, an astrophysical tour. And we, we don't pull any punches on that. So it's for people who are ready for more. Or if you know someone 
who is an aspiring scientist, and they'll, you'll give them a book where they can learn whatever they can. They come back to it every six months, and more and more of that book will give them the power of understanding and the power to calculate. It's fantastic. And then Ooh. spring, you're just you're, that's just a oh spring, thing. spring. I, I come back. Uh, uh, all right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. This is the first time I've ever mentioned. Please, this yes, time. of course. I don't even want to mention breaking the time, news. But you're my man. I will tell you. I okay? appreciate. So uh, in the spring in May, May, uh, there's a very tiny book I've written. Tiny book. It's called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the opposite the of the other book. Opposite. Uh, the opposite of the other book. You've read Welcome to the Universe, <laughs> okay. but maybe now you're out of time. You're out of time. In a hurry. You ran out of time, or you were intimidated by the one, and you're stuck at the bus stop, and you're but you're still in a hurry. This book is for you, and it's, it's short and it's clean, and you'll end up fluent in everything you need to to read headlines. Of all the stories that'll come and understand what and, it oh, is yeah, that, oh yeah, that people, oh yeah, oh yeah, people yeah. are saying so that so that's that. Congratulations, that's great. Yeah, yeah no, I, I but, the the, concept, the idea of writing a book is such a. So I love writing because then I don't. I, I'd rather just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> all this like this interview stuff. I know running no, no, around no. the planet. No, no, no. I just I'll stay home in my pajamas. Yes. Right? And go to the refrigerator. It still works. You're still you're still imparting knowledge, and it's still reaching people. There's right, no right. Reason. But then it's it's less. Uh, I, I like the creativity of writing and composing the perfect sentence, yeah. or aspiring to write the perfect sentence, untouchable by editors, yes. and the sentence rises above the page, and the reader can only absorb it into their mind, body, and soul. <sighs> That's what I strive for. In a hurry. <laughs> in a hurry. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm actually bidding on an auction that ends today that I think you would love. It's the most remarkable. Uh, peep, the, going, attending auctions is the sin of making too much money, just so you know, okay? <laughs> can, I, right. oh, can I tell you what's in this auction? What's in the auction? It's called the Remarkable Rarities Auction. There are um, unpublished compositions by Beethoven in it. Wow. There, are, there are handwritten ideas written by Newton. There's a, there's a letter that Einstein wrote President Hoover thanking him for a commendation that he was given. I mean, it's – and they have like uh, one of the – uh, robotic-looking dummies with a, a, just a couple little actuators on the on the joints from NASA from the early space program. I mean, it is it is a so museum. stuff that was otherwise behind the scenes. Yes, uh, or uncelebrated. Yes. Is okay. Now. So what are you going to bid on? Uh, I'm really. Or should you say that? You maybe because no, no, I don't care. It's, I'll tell you. Tell you. I, I, I'm I'm interested in uh, I'm interested in the, the 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 Newton scrawling, and I'm interested in. I'm the, a Newton guy, you know. Well, I should I'll, I could show you. I'm a really, Newton guy. Um, I I will. No, and, we could do. We can go in halfsies and we'll just cut it in half. <laughs> just cut it, just rip. <laughs> and then me and Newton go way back. I just I'll want you to know. I'll pull one side, and you pull another, and you go. See, every action is equal and opposite <laughs> reaction. I get a bigger half because uh, I'm taller than you are. But uh, um, but uh, there's that, and I'm kind of interested in the letter, the Einstein letter, because it's a you know he writes it. Oh, and then this guy wrote a book, uh, compiled a, a he he sent hundreds of famous people, not just like what we think of as celebrities, but like famous people, Mother Teresa, Charles Schultz, all these people. Uh, do you believe those in- two were the first two to come to, to your head? To head yeah. <laughs> Mother Teresa and Charles Mother Schultz. Because <laughs> they're because they're, they're highlighted in oh, the fine, auction. fine, fine. But um, it, he po- he posed as a child and he wrote them letters in the I guess maybe the sixties and seventies or the eighties, and he said, uh, "Do you believe in God?" Was just, "Do you believe in God?" And it was just their responses. And Charles Schultz's is amazing because Charles Schultz just basically says, 
This is far too complicated an idea to express in a single letter. Thank you for your interest. Like, it's just this very, just like, Mm -hmm. it's obvious that he doesn't want to tell the kid what he thinks Mm -hmm. because he thinks it's a kid. Right. But it's, but the, but the auction. By the way, if he did, he could have just said yes. He could have just said yes. So that all said no. So that's the long way to say no is really what that is. But if you read a lot of the early Peanuts comics, they're very Mm -hmm. twisted and philosophical and very existential and, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. and, and, like super mind bendy, uh, but it but it's like this collection of five hundred respo- the actual responses wow. mm, from okay. all of those people. Uh-huh. Um, there's uh, letters from Washington. There are letters from Presidents Jackson. Uh, I mean, it's it is a remarkable collection of stuff. So what's the Newton one? What the the Newton one is. I can show it to you after. Yeah, we yeah. After, the thing. after, it's, after it's huh? just a. Can you can you look up remarkable rarities auction? Mm-hmm. And then just kind of rifle through the catalog a little bit until you find the the Newton scrawling. I don't think it's, I think it's, I think it's just like a strip of torn paper that was a large, you know, it's almost like a Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't fragment. know how much. I don't know. It's like a fragment. It's a Newton fragment. Yeah, it's a it's mm-hmm. a little Newton piece, but uh, but it's just the fact that it's his handwriting. So is it? So does it say? So I have calculated the secret to the universe, and it is, and then it's ripped <laughs> off at the bottom there, <laughs> and then someone else finds another fragment, and the other fragment says. 42. 42. <laughs> it would have to say 42. It would have to. It That's would have it. to. Yeah, it's yeah. going on today. Remarkable rarities. Remarkable rarities. Nope, it's going on today. It ends today. Yeah, I promise, because I'm signed up for it, and I've been bidding on it. Uh, uh, yeah, there it is. There it is. That's the fragment? Isaac Newton handwritten manuscript fragment. Handwritten manu... There it is. Okay. Whoa. Make the, the thing bigger here. Yeah, let me. We can't really. Oh, you zoom in on. It. There you go. Zoom okay. In, uh, so, Henry, does it say what he says? Yeah, it'll say right here in the text. Mm-hmm. Right here, it, it should say if you uh, if you just. This put... is like his trash. This is this is out of his wastebasket. I would ra- I would take Newton's trash over <laughs> anyone else's treasure. It, it says. Uh, Let's see. Handwritten manuscript fragment, unsigned one page, no date but circa 1700, an eight-line fragment plus four marginal citations from an apparently unpublished theological work by Newton. In part, martyrs, saith he to Vigilantius and Eunomius, the author of this heresy, frame uh, a calumny against, uh, I don't know that word, uh, against ye church, and are not terrified with such society that you should speak the same things against us, which he doth against ye church? For all his followers enter, not into ye churches of the apostles and martyrs. Uh, Eunomius feigned that these were juggling tricks of ye devils, and that ye devils did not truly cry out, but counterfeit their torments." And you're bidding on this. <laughs> I might. No, this actually, I, I, I assume you know that Isaac Newton penned more words on theology than he ever did on physics. And it uh, just the the physics one stuck. Yeah, well, no, he well, wrote on he wrote on yes, I do yeah, know and, that. and alchemy. There were all these other topics. What was remarkable about Newton is basically there was a line in the sand between his writings. His physics writings are not completely infused with his theological musings, mm-hmm. as was the case with some other scientists of the day. Sure. Because if, you, if they're the one and the same, and it is the nature of reality, why would you separate what your discoveries of physics from your discoveries of the Bible? Right. He did. Mm-hmm. They're basically completely different books, completely different avocations and activities. You read Newton's Principia, Newton's Calculus, Newton's Optics. There's like a couple of very rare mentions of God, and that's it. There's no other... Uh, God does not have a significant place within him. <laughs> but other books, it's completely there. 
completely there. So that looks like a little bit of those meanderings. What do we know about him? Emphasis on meanderings. <laughs> <laughs> what do we know about him as a person? What do we know about, about He was highly reclusive. By some measures, he was uh, died a virgin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no friends anyone could identify that would correspond with a sexual partner, uh, not even a homosexual partner, although the, the, the homosexual male community claims him as, as, as one of the early gay uh, – well, not early. They, they go way back. But, right. but if you look at lists of famous homosexual men, yeah. he, he's often put on that list. But there's no evidence of him having a lover. Maybe he was psychologically, if not in practice. Sure. Um, so, yeah, and apparently just not, not, not very social. <laughs> so, a classic nerd. He was just yeah, a, yeah, he classic was the, nerd. He was like the proto nerd. He was the proto nerd <laughs> before nerds got all the social. Patron saint of nerds. He's, he is essentially the patron saint yeah, of nerds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, of course, you have to say nerd because you're the nerdist, but geek is a perfectly legitimate word in this conversation. Geek is a legitimate word. It's, you know, I, I feel like everyone's saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, of course, geek, of course. Do, I think geek gained some currency when when Best Buy started running around with the geek squad. They, they did run yeah, around that, with the geek the, squad. The currency value of that word jumped. I mean, both words are were derogatory in nature to begin with. Yeah, but, but not anymore because now we can just... We have the power. Yeah. <laughs> Geeks have resources. Geeks can reprogram your computer. We can hack into your... And now can have conversations with people. It's like the T-1000s. We're the T-1000s. Uh-huh. But, uh, uh, but, but that idea that... Um, I, I'm interested to hear how much... Uh, how social these people were or how connected to reality they were. I mean, I think... I was just thinking about I don't know why I have no reason no, you for can't what say to connected say. to reality with regard to Newton. The man was connected. He was connected. As connected he was as literally connected to reality. As he is connected as they come. Have you ever read queries at the end of his work, The Optics? I no. Okay, so these are crumbs left over that he didn't have time to experiment on. Mm-hmm. I'll just uh, here's one of them. Right? I wonder if the sun and the stars are the same kinds of objects, except. The sun is just much, much closer to Earth. I just want it's just it's just query number twelve, you know. Whatever. Oh well. Every one of these is, is an entire brilliant research project. And he just never got around to them, but these are his thoughts. Which is a reminder of how important it is that it may be more important to come up with the right question than even it is to come up with the right answer. I mean, it just the idea of working so hard to understand the nature of reality but not experiencing reality. You know, oh, that, that's okay. what that's what is kind of interesting to me because I I don't know why, but I've been thinking about. Are you worried like going to the priest to get advice on your sex life? <laughs> is this... <laughs> well, I did just get married, so I just lost my virginity. Okay, no, all right. No, no, I, I'm thinking. Of, right. I, I was thinking of it in terms of like chess players or scientists. You know, like like I, you know, I watched a documentary about Bobby Fischer, and he mm-hmm. went insane. You know, he yeah, yeah, completely yeah. lost his that. mind. And uh, and by the way, just to be clear. It would not have been a documentary had he not lost his mind. No, if he was totally fine. Right, right. no one does he'd have an Insta- movies. He would have had an Instagram account yeah, and everything people, would have been people fine. People who are fine, you don't, there are no movies about them. But, he, but just this idea that when you spend so much time absorbed in your own inner world as, you know, like grandmasters or scientists, like how do, you not, how, how do you not start warping a little bit when you're not kind of out experiencing life and connecting to the you rest need of the, the world? What you're saying is you need... Uh, continual uh, you need 
reality checks. Kind of. Yeah, daily reality checks. Because I think a lot of grandmasters get a little uh, gooey in the head because they're just if the if the entire time you're just or if the entire time you're just right. thinking about science or just stuck in your head or not. You know mm-hmm. how how do you how do you become a citizen of humanity and still like right. have a life? Right, right. Uh, so maybe having a life is what they're doing, not what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe fully exploiting all the neurosynaptic powers available mm-hmm. to them. Maybe. And so you, so they look at you and pity. <laughs> they well... pity the rest. Not you, you, but <laughs> they pity the rest of us but they... for not focusing our brain power as intently as they do. So you came into it a whole, from a biased perspective. That's all I have the ability to do. Most of us, there's a great line in Searching for Bobby Fischer, the movie. Love which, that movie. Uh, yeah, that where the father, who's played by uh, Joe, Montaigne. Joe Montaigne, goes into the school system who's saying he needs, to be stop, he needs to stop playing this game and get serious about his work. He says to her, and I'll never forget it, he says, my son is better at chess than you or I will ever be... But no, he's better at chess than you or I will ever be at anything we ever do. Mm-hmm. Or say some, uh, something I'm paraphrasing, but line, something yeah. else like it's like whoa. So if you are that, what does it mean for somebody else to say? No, I need you to get more socialized. <laughs> I need you to so no, here do this so that you don't go will crazy. Not be that. Don't go. Don't go. I just. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's good. Plenty of grandmasters never went crazy. Just <laughs> let, let let the record show. Name fifty. <laughs> They're weird. But not crazy. Well, I just the reason that I ask is because I get so focused on things sometimes that I feel like it cuts me off from the rest of the world. Okay, getting married cures that <laughs> because there's a limit to how long that focus. No, I'm serious. I'm being very serious. I, I appreciate that as a comedy answer and as a real answer. No, no, it's it's. But it's not how to make fun of marriages. It's 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 focus is you are in your. In your your room, your your place where all of your memory, wherever you, wherever your your thinking place is, yes, and you do not come out, even at the expense of personal hygiene, right? And eighteen hours later, you come out. Mm-hmm. That's not possible when you're sharing your place with another human. No, no, being. no, that's not. I did. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. What made me laugh is just that idea of you know of like working on something and then just. Uh, Having Lydia kind of poke her head and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just focusing on a thing. <laughs> I have a thing and I'm focusing on yeah. it. And I don't know why, but I need to figure it out. Right. And right. I can't step out of that. Are you able to – do you have to go into a mode when you're, when you're working yeah, on I do. a project? I do, but you can find – you can create those modes. So you can wake up before everyone else wakes up in the household. Oh, and I got idea. two kids and this sort of thing. Or you can stay up later than everyone else goes to sleep. There, there are pockets of time. Where you can create for yourself. I'm told that that uh, Toni Morrison, the the, the yeah, brilliant um, Nobel Prize winning novelist, that she would check into a hotel when she was putting the finishing touches on her novel and just stay away from everybody, and then she would focus. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. And what is time, Neil? What is time? You're the guy who majored in philosophy. <laughs> By the way, last time I was on your show when we had that fast exchange about philosophy. Yeah. I made total enemies of half the world's philosophers from that one exchange where you said, I majored in philosophy. I said, oh, wow, did you, did you get messed up or something? Oh, and, yeah. and you said, oh, no, no, I escaped. Or we had some, right. it, it was a 20-second exchange. And people took it personally like we were attacking and there were, you were attacking. Yeah, so How I'm dare he? Oh, I remember that. No, there yeah. was whole tracts by yeah. professional philosophers saying uh, Tyson needs to study philosophy before he – and I, I wrote back in the comment section, I said – uh, are you actually? Th- this is uh, 
learned historical account of the importance of philosophy in the world as a rebuttal to that 20-second exchange. And I said, I, 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 this was a 20-second, a 30-second exchange with a comedian right. on a comedic <laughs> podcast. And I, I'm flattered that I would, that would earn this well, level. Then I sent them to links of other more nuanced commentary that I have about philosophy. And those people would and, say, see, you're thinking too hard. You're, you're, trying to find, you're trying to find answers where there's no answers. Because it was just, it was, yeah, it was, sometimes there are things are just surface level and they don't mean anything. But that's what a big shot you are, because whenever you say something, people like put it in a headline. Well, and so the, one of the links I gave them was me on stage talking about philosophy with Richard Dawkins. Right. And, which is a much more nuanced and a much more informed, if you want to react and write a diatribe, do it to that, right? Not to me chewing fat with you, right? And so, who has the time to research all that, <laughs> well, Neil? Well, I just want to be mad now. <laughs> I, so I noted that that video had seven hundred fifty thousand views. Uh huh. So apparently, that whoever those viewers were didn't include <laughs> these people. <laughs> it didn't include the diatribe people. Well, if they don't click on the link, they can't prove it exists. I, are there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it's in a forest, it does exist. It does right? exist. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Star Talk is on Nat Geo. What, what is the, the the airing information for Star Talk on Nat Geo? Yeah, Mondays at eleven. Check your local listings usually, but it's and Mountain Time Zone. <laughs> I don't know what you got. Mountain Time Zone is on eight fourteen a.m. On because in, in converting time zones, you got to carry the two. Yeah, you know? and they have an eighth day of the week where they watch television. And divide by seven. And- <laughs> But now, the, now the people in the mountain time zone are going to be like, God, it's going to be all the people that were mad. All those philosophers actually live in the mountain time zone because they're reflecting, and now they're going to be mad because we're shitting. They got to the agree that they they are way more time zone fluent than any of the rest of us because we are pandered to by the broadcast community. Yes, and they are not. So yes, they've got to yes. fend for themselves. We have all the spect- all the respect in the world for the philosophers. I, I mean, I, comedy wouldn't exist without philosophy. You have to have philosophy to have comedy. Because of the deconstruction techniques and because right. of the questions, that the it tools has. and tactics, the tools and the tactics. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it all. So, yeah, all so Monday nights enough. and the book is out. We're very proud of the book because the book could have been just a mess. Take all these hodgepodge and put it together. But we had brilliant designers and and it's it's the amalgam of contributions from from our writers our, and I'm in there and and our comedians because they have uh, uh, clever quips about what's yes. going on. So it's just a fun, I think, I, I would say this even if I didn't have anything to do with the project. Oh. It's just a fun read. Just open it to any page. Like, do the, let's do the experiment. Okay. Open okay. any page and read the, read the, read some of the, just open the, a random page. Just do it now. Now you're kind of doing the, uh, this is almost the we have a badass over here meme. I'd had right. nothing to do with that meme. I still don't understand it. <laughs> And I'll go to my grave wondering what the hell happened there. Okay, I've just flipped open. Okay, here. so what what do you have there? What's the header? The end is nigh, or is it? Okay, and not, good. not Bill Nye, but Nye, N I G H Nye. <laughs> the end. So that's the end. Of, the end of the world. So that's that page. Go go to another page. Okay. Okay. Random page. What's that one? What makes music so seductive? And how do scientists study arousal in the lab? There you go. That's very sexy. That's two random pages. I have yeah. some thoughts on it, but I feel like... Uh, you want to be a subject for that. Human resources yeah. would not appreciate those. <laughs> Everything you need to know about salt. Salt, exactly. So these are questions you maybe didn't have, but say, hey, that's an interesting question, or did have and never got the answer to. NACL. I know some, a couple that things. That is one kind of salt. God damn it! <laughs> I'm with the philosophers. <laughs> Wait, did you know? I, I, I tweeted this, and I thought people would react more than they did. So this is how I calibrate whether I'm saying anything relevant or not. That all 
table salt is sea salt. Oh, man. All of it. So when you buy something that says specifically sea salt, like, yeah, good job. So is this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, so is this other salt. This other stuff doesn't have to okay. showboat it. So, 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 so where do you get the other salt? It's mined mm-hmm. from long-buried seas <laughs> that, 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 that was once – long-buried bodies, bodies of water that were once seas. But it wasn't when we got it. It was land salt no, no. when we got it, <laughs> So Neil. why do you think there's a deposit of salt – Right down there, a mile down, because there used to be a prehistoric sea that evaporated and left that salt deposit. Maybe. So your mine salt is sea salt. It's just much older. And I'm thinking they could have marketed that. This is Cambrian salt. But then that just sounds like, hey, who wants some old salt? Like, that sounds gross. <laughs> Where does creativity come from is another one. Chapter four, what's real and what's virtual? Did a video game actually pass the Turing test? Yeah, so these are the, all of this. These were topics that were actually discussed throughout the show, and we're, I'm proud of how that how that came how that came together. Could Superman survive a black hole? Mm. Oh. We talk about that, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the where where it is and. Where I'm not the... telling you have to buy the book and read it. All right, why well, have actually? The that's book. a free book. Why'd you give him a free book? He he can get a buy. Those are my get tie. <laughs> I'm going to carry it around while I wear my tie. And and carry around the uh, Star Talk Mondays. Oh, September nineteenth, new season September nineteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which by the time this goes up was just a couple days ago. And, and dude, I, I can plug the uh, love at midnight. You know, if I can stay up that late because I'm an old fogey. Thank you. But now you're at eleven thirty, so that's helping a little. That's helping a little bit. Yeah, but it's fun to see just the 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 flow of internet currency that goes through through that program, and it's great showcase for comedians. It Anything is. to get comedians out there, I love. Thank it. Thank you, I appreciate yeah, that. And yeah. how did you get the woman from the the Verizon commercial? Oh, Melania, Melania Vontrup. How'd you get her? She's a comedy person. I didn't know that. She's, she's great. great. She had great timing on oh, the She's so funny. Ads. Yeah. So, so it's not just she's a good actor. She's a good comedian. She's a great comedian. She gets it from yeah. being a comedian. Yeah. She's a, she has like sketch comedy. I think she might have been in didn't an improv group. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So, cause so I, I've always known that comedians can make good actors. Mm-hmm. I didn't know actors don't always make good comedians. That's, that, that's, but she actually, it's yeah. It's not she's a two-way actually, street. She's actually, yeah, she's great. Excellent. But, but I, I've been really excited lately because. And I like last time I was in town, you had me come on just to. Just to show my face, I couldn't. I, I'm not witty like the comedians, but you had me. What I read a clue or something. What what was it? You're very witty, and yes, you did. You did, and you're welcome to do that anytime no, you mm-hmm, want. By the way, mm-hmm. no, I mean fun. we. Uh, the, when when at midnight first started, it was you know it was it was it was a little uh, insipid in the sense of like oh we showed kind of cat videos and silly memes and stuff, and then the show really evolved. Actually, I think I think anyone, and I'm biased, but I think anyone would be hard pressed to find. Another show, aside from like the Daily Show, that talks about as much culturally relevant stuff as we cover. But I think the game show, dude, I'm supposed to say that about you. Oh yeah, You're not supposed yeah. to say that about yourself. I'm I'm just saying what you should say, and then Katie's going to cut my part okay. out. <laughs> and, yeah, no, it's uh, I guess the the next closest thing that attempts that is is Tosh point because he's he's deriving his content from the internet. Yes, and had, had just happened and brings people on and right, right, comments right, on right, it. Right, but of course the shows are completely different. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah. that it's. To give the internet its due in a whole other medium and talk about it. Well, thank it, it's you fun. very much. Well, you it's are fun. you are part of uh, you're part of the universe and human culture and internet culture. Because and- sometimes I wonder if if I have a tweet that is particularly successful, I wonder if it ever catches your eye. Because just a few days ago, I tweeted about the future of the Earth, and people lost their minds on it. It was it was in five billion years, the sun will expand and engulf our orbit. And the charred remains of what was once Earth vaporizes. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> That's what that was the tweet. But but it was it's now my second most retweeted tweet. 
That's ever. that's great. It's got like 60, 55, 60,000 retweets. And people reacted to that. And, and almost playfully, of course, because it's fun, but it's true. Right. And uh, I, I bet someone could write a psychology thesis on all the data we have on how people react to social media. Well, I mean, it's boy, that's that's something I think about all the time. I think as much as I love social media, and I don't think I would have a career without it, I I feel like the negative, the long term negative effects of social media are actually. I mean, listen, I guess from one point of view you could say they're going to be damaging, but another point of view you could say, well, no, people will just change. I I really think it's created a something in our culture where people just only know because it's an emotional snapshot. Yes. Of whatever you're feeling, yep. like, blah. And you may or may not feel that in five minutes. But we've become conditioned to speak as superlatively as possible to get attention. So everything is the worst, dot, dot, dot. Or all caps, fuck you, because you, piece of shit, you mm. changed this one well, tiny well, thing. Well, and well, clickbait. Clickbait it's is clickbait doing. and, you know, entertainment has... Let me give you, let me give you a, a sign of hope. A, yes. A beacon of Please. hope. Please. Are you ready? Great place to wrap. This is okay, okay. It's, it's, it's a weak beacon, but a beacon nonetheless. All right. It's a weakened. All right. Do you remember when... Remember, do you had, <laughs> did you study when the printing press was invented? Uh, Gutenberg. Gutenberg. Remember when? Approximately. Uh, uh, approximately in the 1500s? Yeah, yeah. Mid, no, mid-1400s. Uh, mid 1400s. Okay. All right. So, so now you can print things. So obviously people started printing books because we had books, and now you can print them and uh, disseminate them widely. It would take 400 years for people to figure out that you can use a printing press and create something called a newspaper. <laughs> so 400 years of maturity before that even occurred to anyone to do. Mm-hmm. So we are in such infancy with the internet and social media that give it time. I think it will settle out. And I think that that which is in our best interest will rise up, if not by law, then certainly culturally. Sure. And we try to do what's good for the world. I hope so. We always the, try to do. But there is some sort of a cultural Moore's law that I think applies, especially the way we use technology, where it, things of like we expect things to uh, never in history. Do I think people have ever expected things to evolve as quickly? Even just like new iPhone. Well, I got a new one. Yeah. We just had it. I know, but I got a new one. You know, it's like, what's the new thing? What's the new feature? What's this new thing? Like, the expectation of evolution is so demanding. I, I, but I don't think that's bad. My 20-year-old daughter, who you've met, would not make that complaint. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I she think... She won't even make that observation. It's, <laughs> this is life. Well, because she doesn't know any other Okay, way. she buys white. That's what I'm saying. They're yeah. born into it. Yeah. So what are you saying? I'm, what I'm saying is I think maybe it won't take 400 years because oh, no, of, course. of the rate. Of course. I, but I wanted to give that as an example of yeah. how much... How creative people thought they were right. with a printing press, yet there was still something to still, invent 400 exactly, years Exactly. It would take that long. Exactly. Well, even just the Dark Ages were... Essentially, nothing real, like not a lot really advanced in that. I mean, I'm sure. Not only that, they forgot some things that had come out of the Roman Empire. I mean, are there just, there, there must just be large swaths of things that we just don't, that historically we just don't remember, things that just were lost. Possibly, oh, it's harder to completely lose knowledge because it's copied so many times and we have s- such good access to it. And with Google, scanning every single book that was ever published. Do, do you realize that up until maybe early 1800s, I'd say maybe late 1700s, fully highly educated people had the chance of having been able to re- have read every single book ever published? Oh, my God. 
there's some That's transition crazy. point. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. So, so there's nothing to stop Google from scanning every one of those books and just catching up with modern times. Then you can search every single book. You're not gonna, we're not going to lose any. We're not going to lose fundamental knowledge going forward unless there's some kind of apocalypse. And as, as Albert Einstein noted, uh, I don't know how World War III will be fought. But World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing place. Yep. That is an amazing place. To, that is an amazing place to wrap up. But it it is uh, uh, always a pleasure to have you on this podcast. And anything you ever want to do, I feel like maybe we should do a recurring. G- game with you where you record a bunch of stuff and we just drop it into the show. We'll talk. Yeah, it could be fun just to just to stay 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 on the edge. I would I would I would totally be willing to do that. And you, I, there's a there's a subreddit that I've really been enjoying lately called uh, Ask Historians, mm. and it's great. It's kind of no nonsense. Like the mods do not tolerate. Like you can't just post a joke. It's not like a typical subreddit where it's it kind of evolves through comedy and you silliness. Can have fun. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you have to. You have to be able to source your answer, and it can be it can have a little bit of comedy in it, but it has to have substance. Right. And one of the questions that was on there today that was being answered was, uh, you know, did for instance the Roman Empire have an antiquities? Uh, you know, like did they understand antiquities? Did they have antiquities? Did they have that? And the answer that was rolling in kind of seemed to be. Well, they they were fans of the Greeks. They they would copied have, all their statues, right? They would have fa- they would have, but even going, but you know, even going mm-hmm. back, they would have even if they found stuff, they may not have necessarily known what to make of it or okay. contextually like what it what it was. But mm-hmm. that's a subreddit recommendation that you might enjoy because it's uh, thoroughly thoroughly knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one bit of trivia for you: uh, one of our guests this year this season is Terry Crews. Oh was, wow, that's great! Yeah, uh, and and we also interviewed his body. Just so you know, because <laughs> they're two separate. You have to contract separately yeah, to exactly. get to each one. Exactly. Uh, so we went to his man cave in downtown Los Angeles, interviewed him there. He has identical wallpaper to what you have in this recording studio. He's got really? Yes. Oh, he's got the, uh, he's identical, got the stormtrooper, the Darth Yeah, Vader. he's got the, it's, it's, it's um, uh, Star Wars. It's the Empire, basically. It's Empire. Yeah, helmet. Uh, Star Wars helmet wallpaper. Yeah, it's so you've got a, a, a Jango Fett or is that Boba Fett? That's Boba Fett. Boba Fett, and you've got the got a stormtrooper, stormtrooper, and of course yeah, Darth, Vader. Darth Vader. And uh, who's the other guy that looks like um, an Easter Island head? What uh, is that? That's a that's, a, that's I don't a, know that one. That's one of the guys. If you watch, um, if you watch the original Star Wars, they had like different delineations of oh okay of. of Store of the of that of type the stormtrooper of soldier, okay, and mm-hmm. he was he was one of those guys. All right, um, thank you so much, Doctor Deagrass Tyson. A Dude. pleasure as always, and the Star Talk podcast, which is still available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 50, 50 we still do of fifty of those a year. It's just the twenty that National Geographic lifts and puts on TV, but they all still go to the podcast and radio, Sirius XM Radio, um, uh, channel one twenty one at five p.m. Now, yeah, I mean, Eastern may, time. You may or may not remember this because we 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 say at the end of the podcast we say uh, we say enjoy your burrito, which basically just means enjoy the present as you have it. Is that why you have a burrito uh, yes. in the painting up there? That's exactly I did, why. I did not understand. Yeah, that. it means it means enjoy your present as it's happening. You know, it's sort of a way to tell people like don't get too caught in the past and the future. Like live your life. Is there a is there a scientific way or is there some type of a, a mantra that you have or yes. a, that that expresses the same idea? Yes. What is that? Yes. While you were invited to reflect on the past and imagine a future, 
do not lose sight of the fact that we are prisoners in the present, forever transitioning from our past to our future. I'm going to have to remember that for every episode now. That's beautiful. Thank you very much, Doug. We are prisoners of our present. (laughs) Go be prisoners of your present and celebrate it. And get over it. And in that present, you can eat your your burrito. (laughs) Sorry. You cannot eat your burrito in the future. You can only eat it in the present. You can only eat your burrito in the present. Yes. The end. (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.